All right, today we're continuing this four-week series called Money Wise, learning from the book of Proverbs what God teaches us about dealing with money the way He wants us to deal with it. And uh, we've already said that based in Scripture, God teaches, especially in the book of Proverbs, there are things more important than money. Even though sometimes we neglect those things while we're working and trying to make money. But there are things more important than money. Last week we talked about money thieves. Those things that steal our money, the bad habits and decisions we sometimes make. Today I want to talk about getting ahead and ask God to show us how he wants us to live so uh, we can get ahead. Because I think you know this, half of half Americans, 50% of Americans, one out of every two people you meet, live paycheck to paycheck. Now here's the catch. Only 20% of those who are living paycheck to paycheck are what would be called uh, in, in, in living in poverty in America. So it's not just a matter of, of people not making enough money is the reason a lot of us live paycheck to paycheck. There are a lot of factors in it, but half of us live really. I mean, I mean, not just that we don't have enough money to do a lot of stuff we'd like to do, but actually live paycheck to paycheck, half of the American population. Now, if I were to ask you, what are the three things Americans spend most of their money on? What would you say those are? Hmm? What, would, what would you say they are? The three things Americans spend most of our money on, it's, it's, between, it's, it's pushing 70%, 60-some percent of our money annually on average is spent on these three things. Housing, transportation, food. Now, if you don't believe the last one, just look around at some of us. Now, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I apologize. I'm sorry. Housing, transportation, and food. And cars, cars are expensive. I mentioned to you last week that uh, the average car payment in America today is $499 a month. That's the average. So let's have a little fun. Take a quiz. You ready? Let, let's, let's, what, what kind of car do you think some of the richest people in America drive? What about Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and CEO of Facebook, worth $64 billion? Do you know what he normally drives? What do you think? An Acura. Jim Walton, the youngest son of Sam Walton, he's worth $46 billion. What do you think he drives most of the time? A Dodge Dakota. I remember years ago reading about Sam Walton. Somebody flew into Arkansas to, uh, to, for, to, to interview him and to hang out with him, and he picked him up in an old beat-up pickup truck. Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, worth $146 billion. What do you think he drives most of the time? You go, you're going to keep saying Chevy until you get one. <laughs> Honda Accord. There was one guy I read about who drives a Chevy Suburban, but I, can't, I didn't include him in my list, and I can't remember who it was, so I'll, I'll bring him back for you. Paul Allen, who co-founded Microsoft with, uh, with um, uh, Bill Gates, worth $20 billion. What do you think he drives most of the time? Not Chevy. <laughs> hey, give him a hand. He's smart. Yeah. <laughs> a Mazda. A Mazda. Now, you know, new cars within a year or so lose 20 to 30% of their value, on average about 30%. So 
So they depreciate very, very quickly. I drive a 2011 Buick, not because I want to, but because Monisa is smarter than I am. I remember we were looking for a new car. And uh, I'd narrowed things down to two, and there was this new one, and I wanted it. It had all the bells and whistles, and it was it's a forty some thousand dollar car, and I could have gotten it for about thirty two, thirty three thousand. It was a great deal, and I wanted it. I wanted it, but I also had this Buick that was one year old. It was an enterprise rental car, and I could get it for nineteen thousand dollars. So we're home, and I'm sitting in the kitchen that evening, just dreaming about that car I wanted. My wife is, I told you, she's smarter than me and more spiritual than me, so she's up in the bedroom praying. After a little while, she comes out and says, God told me we need to get that Buick. <laughs> now, I believe her. She doesn't lie. I think God, God inspired her. Here's the thing. I already knew that. I just didn't want to hear it. Anybody ever been there? But I submitted to her wisdom and the voice of the, of, of the Lord, and I'm still driving that $19,000. And by the way, we don't have a car payment. That's a great place to be. Amen, sister. <laughs> now, I haven't always been smart. This is one time I was. And here's the point. If you and I don't learn to listen to Jesus Christ in our lives, in every area of life, every area of life, including our financial life, we're never going to be in the place he wants us to be, experience the life he wants us to experience. And that includes in our financial life. Proverbs 1.7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That as long as we keep pushing God aside, elbowing God out of our lives, not listening to God, we are limiting how smart we are. The foundation for wisdom, the foundation for a, a, a rightly lived life, fear of God, reverence for God, listening to God, obeying God. And so that's why we're trying to hear God this month from the book of Proverbs in the area of our financial life. So today, how do we get ahead? What does God teach us in the book of Proverbs? Real quickly, five things. Okay, you ready? ready? Five things God teaches us for getting ahead. Number one, be teachable. Be teachable. Proverbs chapter 13. Now remember, I'm not putting... The words on the screen, just the references, because I want you to see these verses in the Bible yourself. So if you have your Bible, open it to Proverbs 13. If you have an electronic Bible, that's great. Use that as well. Proverbs 13, look with me at verse 18. He says, Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. But he who regards reproof will be honored. He's talking about instruction that leads to results in correction, teaching, learning, instruction, and the outcome of that is changed behavior. So what he tells us here is that the one who neglects, ignores teaching, instruction, learning that results in changed behavior, okay, that person is going to be poor and poor. You're going to make bad decisions and bad decisions. And so wisdom is listening to God. Wisdom is learning so we can make better decisions. Success comes by submitting to wisdom. 
Success does not come by elbowing wisdom out of your life. Look at another passage, chapter 13, two verses before, verse 6. He says, every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. In other words, a prudent person, a person who makes good decisions, a wise person acts, makes decisions, lives on the basis of knowledge. You can't do that if you're not open to being taught, if you're not teachable, if you're not willing to learn. And folly, folly is the lack of common sense. It's the lack of good sense. It's the lack of of being smart and prudent. Look at chapter 12 of Proverbs, verse 15. He said, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. You see, the Bible is, God is saying, listen, if you want to be foolish financially, just do your own thing, your own way. Don't listen to anybody. Don't learn from anybody. Don't, don't, don't say, I need to learn something because I already know it all. One of my uh, television shows I like to watch from time to time is uh, The Prophet. With Marcus Lemonis. Anybody ever watched The Prophet? You know, this very wealthy guy who comes in and buys struggling businesses if they'll cooperate with them and gets them back on their feet. It's a good show. A lot of good lessons uh, about a lot of different things in that show. And, and he says the single biggest obstacle to people being financially literate is pride. This is a quote. Putting your pride aside is probably the biggest key. Put aside your pride... So you can learn to ask for help so you're willing to learn. Pride keeps us from learning. And Scripture says that is folly, that is not wise, that is foolish. Wisdom is always seeking advice and seeking to learn. So the first thing, if you want to get ahead in life, is be teachable. And the truth is most of us as Americans don't grow up knowing much about managing money, let alone doing it the way Jesus Christ would want us do it. We just do our own thing, our own way, and don't listen. So be teachable. And I would say to any young person in here, the earlier you can learn, the better. Here's the second lesson. Know your financial situation. Turn to Proverbs 27. Know your financial situation. Look at what God says here. You know, it's interesting in how many homes. Now, I know Usually we divide responsibilities in the family. That makes perfect sense. But it is not healthy and wise for one spouse to know everything about the finances and the other spouse to know practically nothing about the finances. So know your financial situation. Proverbs 27, verses 23 and 24, he said, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. He says, money and things don't naturally, automatically last. You can lose them. Even a crown's not forever. You can lose your throne. He said, things are not guaranteed to last, to endure. So, know the condition of your flock. You heard, know the condition of your situation, your financial life. Pay attention to your herds. This was an agricultural society. They grew crops and they had herds. That was their material possessions. Know the condition, the situation of your material things and pay attention to it. 
we sometimes think that if we just ignore it, it'll get better. If I don't think about it, it won't be a problem. Don't deal with it, it won't hurt me. Life doesn't work that way, does it? So know your financial situation. Here's number three. Do something. Do something. Look in Proverbs 28, chapter 28, verse 19. The Bible says, He who tills his land will have plenty of food, but he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty in plenty. He's saying work, effort, action leads to gain, rewards. Do that instead of the end of verse 19 following empty pursuits or, the, or some Bibles translated chasing fantasies, wishful thinking, get-rich-quick schemes, if you will, just hoping. The Bible says instead, put your hand to the plow and do something. Don't just dream about things being better. You know, when I was young, I remember... Um, the word, remember this, uh, visions of grandeur? Now, all of us have done that at times in our life where we just kind of daydream about how great we could, you know, we could be this great athlete, we could be this great musician, we could be this visions of grandeur. Some people go through life with visions of grandeur when it comes to finances. We just have these dreams, these fantasies about what it, and, and, and nothing ever comes true just because you have a fantasy. We have to do something. So he says, till the land. I, you know, I grew up on a farm. When I read it, I think about being out there, you know, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning before we get hot to plow or to hoe, to plant crops. Put your hand to work. Do something. Don't, don't just wish. Don't just dream. But, but do something, God says. Now look at uh, chapter 16 in Proverbs, verse 26. Chapter 16, verse 26. He says, a worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. Now, I know there's some twisted people in the world. God is not saying there uh, that that's not an excuse for, for anybody to pay somebody bad wages. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying here is your appetite, your hunger, your, your, your desires, your need, whatever it is, should motivate you, drive you, inspire you. Let it work for you. Let it urge you on. Don't, 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 don't let it make you frustrated so you just dream about another day, but, but let it motivate you to, to get up and learn something, to get up and do something, to get up and look at reality straight in the face. Carrie was 25 years old and a recent divorcee. Now think about it, 25 years old and divorced. Had a job that didn't pay much, was $14,000 in debt, and she looked at herself in the mirror and didn't, did not like the direction her life was headed. One of the decisions she made was to get out of debt. So she focused first on paying off her credit card, which is the biggest part of her debt. And here's some of the sacrifices. Now this, this, I'm not saying you have to do it this way, but these are examples. Here's what she did. She decided to do something. She, what, what she sacrificed so she could pay off that debt, this 25-year-old divorcee, was she gave up cable. She gave up her gym membership. She stopped going to the tanning salon. She stopped eating out. 
and she stopped going to the movies. And by the way, have you noticed how expensive it is to go to the movies? I like matinees. It's cheaper. In three years, she paid off her debt. But she did something. Nothing changes without doing something. Stop ignoring the situation. There was a young couple <clears throat> just had a baby, had $25,000 in debt, wanted to pay off. They did some interesting things. One of the things, I never heard of this before until I read about this one couple. One of the things they did was for the foreseeable future, they, they, ate, they prepared at home what they called meatless dinners. It wasn't because they wanted to be vegetarians. They wanted to save money, so they did meatless dinners. Now, I like to cook, and, and I go to the grocery store as much as Monisa because I, I just enjoy cooking, and I really enjoy cooking meat. And because of that, I know how much meat costs. That steak costs more than green beans. So one of the things they did was they they had they they ate meatless meals. If I ever need a, a get out of debt plan, that won't be part of it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it worked for them. They they uh, they also would have periods of time when they they would have what they called a no spend challenge. For this week, for this month, we have a no spend challenge. We're spending no money on anything that's not just a repeat, a recurring bill, etc. They also identified some things they sold on Craigslist. And I've heard about a lot of people who do that, whether it's Craigslist, eBay, different ways. And they had a yard sale. I remember many years ago when I was younger, my sister, who's a year and a half younger than me, she and her husband had three little kids, and they hit a tough spot financially. You know what they did? took them about four years, I think it was. They moved in with my mom and lived in her house with their three kids. And their house, not mom's house, their house, they rented and used the rental income to pay off the debt, the bill. Now, I'm, I'm not saying you have to do anything the way anybody I've just mentioned did it. But I am saying nothing changes if you don't do something. And you won't do something if you don't know your situation, your reality, and are honest with yourself. And, and, and you're probably not going to do much if you're not willing to learn and be teachable from Scripture, from God, from people who know about this stuff. We had one person call my secretary this week asking for suggestions, wanting for, for help and we're able to make a referral, and she's getting connected, and, and uh, that's good. That's good. So do something. Here's the fourth thing from Proverbs about getting ahead. Prepare for the future. Don't just live for today. Prepare for the future. Proverbs chapter 10, look at verse 5. Proverbs 10, verse 5. The Bible says, He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. Um, you have to get ready for the harvest. When, when it's there, when, when, when the time is right, you have to do something. If you wait, it's too late. 
And the Bible says that's a shameful way to live. Look at chapter 20. It gets a little bit more explicit. Chapter 20, verse 4. He said, The sluggard does not plow after the autumn, so he bags during the harvest and has nothing. Now, their growing season was the opposite of ours when it comes to grain. Grain was harvested in the spring. So the harvest is when you would plow and plant and everything, and then then the, 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 the fall, rather, is when you would plow and plant, and the spring is when you, you would harvest. And if you want to have a harvest, you have to work when it's time to plant. If you want to have something in the future, you have to do something about it today. On many, many levels in, in your, listen, folks, in your relationships, in, in our health, in our financial life, in our walk with Jesus Christ, on and on, in, in practically every area of life, what you and I do today has a, in, a huge influence on what happens tomorrow. Today shapes tomorrow. The present shapes the future. See, when people get a divorce, it's not because all of a sudden that day they did something you know, stupid. It's because in all the days, months, and years leading up to the day of the divorce, they did stuff they shouldn't have and did not do things they should have, right? You want retirement? You want, you want the future? You want a savings? You do something today for tomorrow. You plan for the future because once you get to the future, you've already lost that time and it's too late in many cases. So Scripture says when it's time to plant, plant. So when it's time to harvest, there will be something to harvest. Look at chapter 21 in Proverbs, verse 5. Chapter 21, verse 5. He said, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Careful, diligent planning in verse 5 is contrasted with being impulsive. Hasty, careful, diligent planning versus being impulsive, being impulsive. There is a reason, (laughs) there's a reason stores have all these temptations at the checkout counter. We are impulsive by nature. But God is saying be diligent in planning for the future. Don't allow being impulsive today to mess up tomorrow. Now, think about financial planning for just a moment, okay? 30% of Americans, 3 in 10, have a long-term financial plan. That means that 7 out of 10 Americans do not. 32% of Americans, 3 out of 10, have a budget. That means that 7 out of 10 do not have a budget. Those of us age 55 and older, many of us in this room, 3 out of 10, 3 out of 10 people, 55 and older, have absolutely no retirement savings. Zero. That's significant, isn't it? There was a report came out earlier this year. Young adults between the ages of 21 and 32, 66% of them 
almost 7 out of 10 have saved $0 for retirement. And here's the thing. That's the very age you need to start if you want to maximize planning for your future, isn't it? Because everybody says, well, I don't make much. I'm going to wait till I'm older. The problem is time is your biggest ally when you're young when it comes to planning for the future. By the way, do you know what the average, how, how, how much money a day do you think the average American spends on coffee? Now, that includes those of us who drink coffee like me and those who don't. So the average American, how much do you think we spend a day on coffee? Three bucks. Now, that's the average. So take out all the, how many of you are coffee drinkers like me? All right, take in, how many of you don't drink coffee? See, it's about, uh, I, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but slightly over half drink coffee. But a good number don't. So if the average is three bucks, just imagine those of us who drink coffee. So if the average is three bucks a day, and by the way, there was also research that the youngest generation a day acknowledge and survey after survey, they spend more money on coffee than they do on retirement planning. Well, it, it, just the average of three bucks a day on coffee at the end of a year, that's over a thousand bucks. Now, you may not, that may not sound like much, but if you do $1,000 a year starting when you're 20 years old, you're going to be in much better shape than you think when you're 60 years old. A lot better than you think. Just a word to the wise. And what was the first point this morning? If you want to get ahead, spirit, you want to get ahead financially, you have to be what? Teachable. 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 So getting ahead. Why do you think our church has gone into this six and six campaign and with the idea of paying off our debt and, and, and of course, next Sunday is our chest of Joash offering and all of that will go toward principal. Why? Because we don't know the future, we just, but we know we need to be ready for it. It's not just about saving interest. It's about being ready for whatever God wants us to do in ministry in the years to come. And not just sitting back and say, well, one day, way, way, way after in the distance we'll listen to God. No, we always need to be listening to God. Not just in our personal lives, but in our church life as well. All right, I've got to move on. One last one. Here's number five. Save something, even if it's three bucks a day like you spend on coffee. Save something. Proverbs chapter 21, look what the Lord says in verse 20. Proverbs 21 Verse 20, he said, There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Now, you know, olive oil and all of that in their culture was used for perfume, for cooking, for many, many purposes. It was a, it was a valuable commodity, precious treasures. He said, so the wise person is able to, to, to have some stuff, but the foolish person swallows it up. That means he, uh, he squanders it. He wastes it. He has a lack of restraint. He's impulsive. He can't say no. Can't say. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. Proverbs 13, verse 11. Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles. In other words, your sin will find you out. But the one who gathers by labor increases it. Now, it's interesting. The second part of verse 11, the one who gathers by labor, by work, increases his wealth. The NIV translates that, gathers money little by little. Very different translation. Why? Because there's, there's no way to, to, to translate this in English and capture all of, all of what it means. The, the Hebrew here is literally uh, doing things with your hands. 
what the word, the phrase literally means. So the one who does things with his hands, work and other things, does things with his hands, gets ahead. But it it came to, to be an idiom in Hebrew for the person who just works with his hands and steadily, gradually, gradually, steadily, consistently, by doing things, by working with his hands, accumulates, saves, gathers stuff. How do you get ahead? Bit by bit by bit, not through some windfall. Now, are there a handful of people who get a big windfall in life? Absolutely. But guess what? Most of us don't ever get that windfall, right? So if we ever get ahead, it's going to be working, step by step, gathering, saving, accumulating, bit by bit, little by little, over time. And if we're wise, starting as young as we can. Steady and gradual wins the day. There was a family, I love this story. There was a family who lived in a you know, small town, small town America. They, they, had a, they had a young daughter. When she was old enough to understand, they began teaching her about money, about saving and the interest and all of that. And so uh, they got her a piggy bank and they, they told her to save her money, put her money in her piggy bank. And when her piggy bank was full, she could go to the bank and open a savings account. And the money she put in the bank in that savings account would earn interest. And then she'd start putting money in her piggy bank again, just keep repeating this process over and over. And they were trying to teach her. And she got it. And she started putting money in that piggy bank. It got full. It's time to go to the bank. And so small town, small bank. Dad calls down, speaks to the president of the bank, explains what's going on, takes his daughter to the bank and lets her go in by herself. And the president meets her and opens up her savings account and gives her all the paperwork. It's a big deal. It's her. And she gives him the money from her piggy bank and, and, here, and here's, her, here's her deposit slip, her receipt. And after everything's done, she just stands there. She won't leave. She just stands there looking at him. And he, he asked her if there was anything else he could help her with. And she said, yes, I want my interest. Wouldn't it be nice if it came that quickly? But it doesn't, does it? Steady, gradual. Effort. Do something. Learn. Over time. The scripture is saying hard work, learning, plenty, saving, looking to Christ for wisdom and for guidance on and, 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 and next week, we're, we're going to look in Proverbs about how do you master your money? How, how do you become the boss so that it's not your boss? Because there are consequences to not learning how to do this stuff the way Jesus Christ wants us to do it. I don't know if you know this. I found this kind of interesting. In Japan, listen, in Japan, there is a new piggy bank you can buy, okay? Only it doesn't look like a pig. It looks like a skull. And you have to put money in it every so often. And if you miss that schedule, if you miss it one time, you don't put money in within that time frame. You know what happens to that piggy bank? It explodes and throws your coins all over the room and you have a mess to clean up. Well, guess what? If you don't listen to Christ in your life, 
You don't do things his way. You don't do things the right way. Guess what? Sooner or later, there's going to be this big pow. And you'll have a mess to clean up. And Jesus Christ doesn't want your life to be a mess, whether it's your relationships or your health or your money or your your walk with him especially. He doesn't want your life to be a mess. He doesn't want to go pow and just blow up. So listen to me. What, what, what's God saying to you this morning? He says we need to be teachable. What is God saying to you this morning? What is the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart, into your life? Well, that's what I want you to do. I want you to listen to Him. I want you to listen to Him. I want you to submit to the teaching of God. And I know how the Holy Spirit works. He may be speaking to you through these verses about money, but he may be speaking to you through these verses about other areas of your life. He he does that. And whatever it is, I want you to listen to him and respond in obedience, submission. What he's saying. To come to the altar here and pray when we sing this song. To come to one of the pastors and, and, and say, I want to join First Baptist Church or... I need to submit my life not only to the wisdom of Christ, I need to submit my life to Christ. I need to give myself to Jesus Christ and become a follower of His today. So let's stand and sing. The the musicians are going to lead us. We invite you to make your way to the front and make your decision for Jesus Christ right now.